Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. Maria, there's something that I've always wanted to ask you. Now, you know, I played you in the picture, and you are you, and uh, I am me, and since you are you, and I was you, and, well, <laughs> since you're here, and I'm here, and I was you, um... <laughs> I, I want to know, how was I? Huh? How was you? Yes. Well, As you. <laughs> you were absolutely wonderful. Uh, but... Oh. <laughs> but what? Remember that yodeling in the little goat herd? Yes. You know, Julie, there is yodeling and yodeling. Uh, I was only yodeling, right? uh, I see. Is there anything we can do about that? Uh, would you be interested if I show you a, a, a tiny little, genuine little Austrian yodeler? Yes, I mean, the even after the fact, it's better to learn how to yodel properly, right? <laughs> the two of us. All right, yeah? teach me. <clears throat> Tria ho i yodel di yo, tria ho i yodel di yo, tri. Tria ho i yodel di yo, tria yodel di yo. And I should sing that, right? Yeah. Please. Okay. <coughs> it seems to help clearing the throat. Tria yodel di yodel di yo, tria yodel di yo, tria. So what you uh, just heard uh, was indeed Maria von Trapp, the real Maria von Trapp and Julie Andrews yodeling. And I really don't know if there is any more uh, charming, wonderful, wholesome content out there. So <laughs> I'm glad I could bring that to you today. Um, I'm Katie Marquette and you are listening to Born of Wonder. Happy Advent. Um, if you are Catholic, uh, Advent started this past Sunday. And um, if you are Orthodox, it started about two weeks ago, so you are well into the season. And if you are just someone who celebrates Christmas, you are uh, well in the season as well. You've got your Hallmark movies going, doing some shopping, got uh, the 24-7 Christmas station on. Um, I was so surprised at how quickly everybody decorated. I'm normally the person who is obnoxiously decorating really early, but this year... I was just really reveling in fall and uh, time just snuck up on me and I feel like all of a sudden now it's Advent, it's going to be December. Uh, I can't believe that Christmas is in four weeks and um, I just put away my pumpkins today. So uh, I'm a little behind, but um, Advent is after all about anticipation. Uh, we sort of jump right into Christmas. We kind of forget uh, that that advent uh the purple robes the color purple it is a penitential season like lent it is closer to lent than anything else um of course uh 
I'm not saying to stop baking cookies or watching those Hallmark movies. I'm definitely going to start decorating, um, but I think if there is some sense of anticipation that we can preserve, some traditions that we can do, whether it's an advent wreath or celebrating feast days uh, leading up to Christmas, leaving some of the decorating until Christmas Day so that we can truly um, celebrate those 12 days of Christmas leading up to Epiphany. Uh, we should do that. So I wanted to talk about uh, someone who knows all about celebrating Advent, and that is the real-life Maria von Trapp. Now, if you are like me, um, you think of The Sound of Music, the the classic film with Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer uh, as a holiday movie, and any holiday movie, I feel like I turn it on on Easter, I turn it on on Christmas. It's just like a great movie to have on, to watch with your family. Um, never fails to bring a smile to my face. I'll watch it many, many times a year. Um, may, maybe the rest of my family not so keen to do that, but I am always ready to sing my favorite things. Um, I'm ready to watch Maria. I'm ready to watch that moment. You know, the best moment in the movie, right, is when uh, Baroness von Schrader, that's her name, I think, uh, the Baroness, uh, you know, looks out at the garden and says to the captain, uh, you know, there's a young lady out there who I think will never be a nun. And <laughs> then the captain's face just drops and then he gives her this smile because she's right. Uh, he is about to go out and profess his love to Maria. And it turns out that the Baroness was a class act after all. But anyway, I digress. Maybe we need a whole episode all about the sound, uh, the sound of music, the film, um, and probably how every uh, nun is really tired of being compared to uh, the nuns in The Sound of Music. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, what a great comparison, though. I mean, don't you walk around the Abbey singing about uh, novices in trouble? You know, I, I, I don't understand uh, really where the discrepancy is. Seems pretty accurate to me. But um, yeah, so wonderful movie and an even more wonderful life that it is based on the real life Maria von Trapp. So I want to rec recommend a book to you um, that was given to me um, a year or two ago by my wonderful friend Leonor, um, who listens to this podcast. So thank you, Leonor. She's also my daughter's godmother. And she gave me this book, The Story of the Trap Family Singers. Um, and it's the story that inspired The Sound of Music, and it is by Maria Augusta Trap. So it is all about um, the real-life family, all about Maria and uh, how she she was a novice and uh, she said it was the hardest moment of her life when the mother superior sent her to go be a governess um, instead of allowing her to take her final vows but of course that would lead her to her beautiful family life with her husband the captain and this wonderful adventure uh, as as uh, she and her family um, fled Austria ultimately ending up in Vermont and uh, much of the book also is about the life that they established in America um, and about sort of just uh, what's what's so wonderful about it, it really is it's about their family life and all the traditions uh, that bound them together and also this family was really really Catholic like really Catholic like we know in the movie she was a nun all this stuff but this family um, lived liturgically and they brought uh, liturgical living into everything they did and there are some wonderful wonderful chapters in this book and I thought I would just read you a little bit of one of my favorite chapters in the book um, which is called an Austrian Christmas there's also a great uh, chapter about Lent and Easter 
And Maria is a wonderful writer, um, very witty, very funny. So at this point in the story, um, she is, uh, she's, she's, she's governess, um, to, uh, to the captain's children, um, still adjusting to life there. And, uh, she finds out that they really don't have many Christmas traditions, many Advent traditions. So she is there to change that. So I'm not quite sure how much I, I will read. I could read the whole chapter. Um, I might skip the middle section, which is actually I, you'll you'll read it for yourself when you go out and get this book but it's about this crazy tradition of the Krampus on St. Nicholas Day um, this Krampus is a it, here she describes it as an ugly black little devil with a long red tongue a pair of horns and a long tail and on St. Nicholas's feast day which is coming up on December 6th um, uh, they have somebody who dresses up as St. Nick and enters the house and the whole family is waiting there and then he asks the children questions from their catechism, has them repeat a prayer or sing a song, um, and then uh, if if the children are bad, I guess, or don't know, uh, don't know, uh, know their catechism very well, it, the Krampus will take them along, grunting already, rattling his heavy chain. But St. Nicholas, the holy bishop, quote, won't ever let him touch a child. But uh, so I don't know who dresses up as the Krampus. I don't know anything. But so there's a whole section about that and their experience of celebrating St. Nicholas's feast day. So um, I'll probably skip that section, uh, jump around a little bit here, but this will give you a taste of um, their beautiful family life and maybe give you some inspiration for your own advent um, as you lead up to Christmas with your family. Um, as for me, I am uh, I have an advent wreath somewhere, uh, <laughs> and uh, the first Sunday of Advent has already passed, the first candle, hope I, I should be lighting that and singing songs, um, maybe we will later this week. So I try to do the Advent wreath, um, St. Nicholas Day or thereabouts, we're going to go get a real tree and uh, we have we have a, a fake tree that we set up in the house and we're going to put the real tree in the barn and light that all up. Maybe I'll, you know, stand the donkeys next to it and I don't know, get a nice photo out of it or something. Um, <laughs> so we're going to get our real tree, um, we're going to do uh, give uh, little Joe some, some board books um, and uh, we will be, of course, just following along with the liturgical calendar here, uh, doing the Advent readings. Um, there's a wonderful book I have, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, he, may, he may be familiar with. He was a Lutheran uh, pastor who was um, killed by the Nazis, but he is a wonderful writer, um, amazing witness, really, and he, uh, he has sort of they've collected his writings into an Advent de devotional. And um, so I'll be reading through that. Um, I have a Lord of the Rings Advent guide, which you can find up on the blog. I will put in the show notes. Um, the guide is for the movie in case you don't have the time to reread all three books. Um, but that's always fun to, to uh, journey along with Lord of the Rings for Advent. Um, but really, I'm just trying to... Um, to quiet things down. Uh, Advent is supposed to be an anticipatory time, a quiet time. I've logged off uh, my social media accounts, uh, trying to do some more reading, um, and just uh, just enjoy this this quiet, dark time of year. Um, go to candlelit masses. Go to uh, adoration. Get uh, get get back in the practice of um, quieting my mind down. I think the holidays, they sort of um, oftentimes are opposite uh, what we would hope. They are so frenzied and frantic and 
uh, family coming in and out and gift buying and all this all this stuff that can be very wonderful but uh, I think sometimes we can lose sight of um, of sort of you think about this this cold cold night that we are anticipating that this yeah the, the light that shines in the darkness there's a light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it we're supposed to be waiting in the dark for that light and so I want to recapture that feeling so hopefully reading here a little bit from Maria will inspire us uh, I'll definitely be watching the sound of music as well so I wish you a beautiful start to Advent. Uh, if you have the time, best Christmas Advent gift you can give me is to review the podcast. Just hop on iTunes. It's free to make an iTunes account, even if you use Spotify or another platform to listen uh, to this podcast. Um, you can make an iTunes account and uh, just leave a review. If you leave a comment, that's great. I like to share the reviews. I put the, put it in my email newsletter. Um, like to feature them. Uh, I, I uh, really, really, really appreciate anyone who has left a review um as you know this is really a uh you know a passion project for me and it it means so much to know that um it means something to other people so thank you for doing that um so without further ado let's get going let's travel to austria and uh start preparing for advent with an austrian christmas We went down and obediently arranged ourselves on the big sofa which stood opposite the fireplace and on a few comfortable chairs. But that way we were very far apart from each other and couldn't hear very well. So somehow or other it happened that we all landed again on the thick carpet. Agatha held my guitar. I had shown her how to accompany simple songs. Maria played a descent while we sang in three parts. Suddenly somebody opened the door. Papa, Papa, cried the children and stormed toward the tall figure standing in the doorway. I rose slowly, picked up the guitar from the floor, and put it on the sofa. Meanwhile, the Baron had kissed all the children, and with Martina on his arm, he came over to me to say hello. I'm sorry, Captain, I said. What are you sorry for? And then, with a knowing undertone, Oh, I understand. This should have been a surprise for Christmas. But don't you worry, a surprise it is. Children, I can't believe it. It sounded simply wonderful. Let's have some more. No, don't turn on the light. Let's sit down right here. Come on and he settled himself comfortably on the floor, pressing himself back against the heavy seats, pulling the little girls down to his knee. You have learned a new song. What is it? Do it again. A new song? The children echoed. Just one? What do you mean? said the father, and then astonished. Fräulein, are you looking for something? I was still standing. I couldn't believe my eyes. No, and I sat down on the sofa. Oh no, come over to us, right down on the carpet. So I joined the group and we continued singing, and it turned out to be a very nice evening. Time and again, the captain interrupted, but children, children, isn't that wonderful? 
His enthusiasm was so genuine, it was contagious. He praised Maria and Agatha highly for their playing, and all of a sudden he reached out for the violin himself and began to play a soft descent to one of our old ballads. Then we all sang 22 verses. The guitar played two more chords after the voices had ended, but the violin kept on playing very softly. Nobody moved. Suddenly the captain stopped and, as if awakening, put the instrument down. I didn't think I would ever play again, he said with a deep sigh. Then he put new logs on the fire, which had burned low, and asked, Now, children, tell me what is the news? How is school? How are you, little one? And tenderly he pulled Maria's head towards his shoulder. A noisy chatter started now. After the children had told about school, they wanted to know all about the hunting trip. The little girls discovered that father's pockets were full of rabbit tails, out of which one could make a fur coat for a teddy bear. Too, too bad that it was eight o'clock and high time to go to bed. It was the Saturday before the first Sunday in Advent. During lunch, I said to Maria, where do you usually put up the Advent wreath? Put up what? I was aghast. Don't you have an Advent wreath every year? No, we never did. What is it? It is a large wreath made of fir greens holding four candles, one for each of the four Sundays of Advent. People put it up in their living rooms. It reminds them of the coming of Christmas. They light the candles and sing Advent songs. Oh, how nice. Couldn't we have one this year? Papa, please buy a large Advent wreath for us. Oh, you don't buy Advent wreaths. We could easily make one ourselves, I interrupted, and then explained to the captain that we would need about two basketfuls of fir twigs and perhaps one of those wagon wheels from an old buggy I had seen in the tool shed. What else? A spool of thread, four wax candles, eight yards of silk ribbon. The captain offered to fetch those from town. Everybody was getting excited about the Advent wreath. Then we went to work. The children picked the fir twigs out of the basket and passed them on to me, and I wound them around the wheel, fastening them with a thread. It took quite some time because it was to be a large wreath. Four long spikes had to be put through the wheel at equal distances to be used as candle holders. When we had just finished and were starting to clean up the mess we had made on the floor, the captain came back from town. Now the candles were put on the spikes. The ribbon was cut into four equal parts, which were fastened to the wreath so that it could be suspended from the ceiling. Our first advent wreath was finished. What can I do for you now, the captain said. I was a little uncertain. Well, it should be hung from the ceiling in the middle of the living room. But as this house doesn't have a living room, we couldn't we have it here in the nursery right above the big round table? Armed with hammer and nails, the captain climbed up on the table. We all held the wreath and he fastened it to the ceiling. Suddenly he stopped between two hammer strokes and looked down at me and frowned. What do you mean this house has no living room? It doesn't, I said. How about the big drawing room, the little drawing room, the library, the music room? No, I insisted. That is not the same. Father, mother, and children really have to live in the same room. Work, play, read, write in it. Then it is a living room. The captain finished and came down. We all stepped back and admired the big, beautiful wreath with the four candles. It gave the whole room a festive look and a festive smell, too. What are we going to do next? asked Agatha. Well, tonight the family will gather under the Advent wreath. Your father will read the gospel for the first Sunday in Advent. Then he will light one candle, and the whole family will sing Advent songs and Christmas carols. Next week he will light two candles, the next three, and then all four. How do you know about it? Oh, it's just an old folk custom, one of many. One of many? Do you have more in store for us? I had to laugh. Maybe a few. All right, then, and the captain grasped the remaining nails in the hammer. Let's meet tonight after supper under the advent wreath in our new living room. That was meant for me, I knew. 
Whether it was only teasing or whether he took my remark about the living room for criticism, I couldn't make out. After supper that night, we and the Baroness Matilda, who had returned from her sisters, gathered together in the new living room. The captain read the gospel and lit the candle, and we were all sitting around the table on, on which a tall, thick, red candle was burning. This was a surprise to me from the children. I had brought it from Nunberg on my last visit there. It is the Advent ca candle, I explained to them. It is a symbol of Christ, whom we call the light of the world. That should burn every evening until Christmas, just another folk custom, I said in the direction of the captain. When I heard even Baroness Matilda's soft voice joining our little choir, all the tension left me, and I started to enjoy fully the beautiful wreath, the sound of the children's clear voices, and the captain's violin playing. How many days still until Christmas was the excited question every morning. One morning when the answer was only seven, we came down the stairs as usual and found the double door leading into the new big drawing room, which was usually wide open, closed. New excitement. That meant the holy child with his angel assistants were working inside, preparing the room for Christmas. From then on, the children only tiptoed in the vicinity of those closed doors, and every conversation downstairs died down to a reverent whisper. The whispering continued deep into the night when the children were long asleep and the captain, Baroness Matilda, and I were busy behind the secret door with the still empty Christmas tree, opening parcels, writing Christmas cards, adjusting small wax candles to small candle holders, which could be clamped onto the green branches. Slowly but surely, the big room began to look like the toy department of a large store. Out of the many shaped parcels emerged all the blessings of our modern toy industry. A doll house, a doll kitchen, a small perambulator with a beautiful baby, and of course the whole outfit. A BB gun, a Victrola with records, more books, games, new guitar, skates, skis. Never in my life had I seen so many beautiful things in one spot. The trouble was I could hardly keep my mind on my duty, which was to unpack and distribute, because it was so tempting to try out the new games, change the baby's diapers, investigate the many books. Anything the loving heart of a father could get was assembled around the tall, beautiful tree. They were unusually helpful, quiet and good, knowing that the house, and especially the nursery, was under constant observation by the angels coming and going to the Christmas room. The last evening was devoted to the decoration of the tree. It was at least 15 feet tall. The captain, standing on a ladder, took care of the top, while I busied myself with the lower branches. There were cookies made of different doughs, hard candies, chocolates wrapped in frilled tissue paper, figures and symbols made of marzipan, gilded nuts, small apples, tangerines, all these were hung on red thread all over the tree. Then came 120 wax candles, loads of tinsel dripping from the branches, tinsel chains swinging loosely around the tree. As a finishing touch, the captain fastened a large silver star to the very top. Then we all stepped back and admired the most beautiful Christmas tree I have ever seen in my life. The tables around the walls were so laden with presents that the white linen covers were completely hidden. The next day was the big day, Holy Eve, as it is called in Austria. Snow had fallen overnight. We went to church with the older children. The church was filled as on Sunday. Everybody goes to confession on Holy Eve, so one had to wait in line. It was quite early and pitch dark outside. There were no electric lights in the church, and of course it was not heated. The people had brought candles with them, fastened them to the pews, and holding their hymn books with heavily mittened hands close to the little flame, they could read the words of the ancient Advent song, which was softly accompanied by the organ and sung by the whole community. In the flicker of candlelight, one could see a neat little frosty cloud in front of every mouth. 
From under the choir loft where the confessional stood, one could hear the shuffling of hobnailed boots and also, eventually, the rubbing of hands, the feeble attempts to keep warm when it was below zero outside, with yard-long icicles growing from the church roof. But cold belonged to Christmas as heat to the hanging days. This was as it should be, and nobody gave it a thought. When Holy Mass was over, we went with the children to the side altar. There, in a little wood of spruce trees, was the whole town of Bethlehem spread out before our eyes. The shepherds were already out in the field with their flock. Mary and Joseph had arrived at the cave. They were kneeling beside the manger, which was still empty. Ox and ass, the sheep in the, in the pasture, and the angels in the air seemed to hold their breath, waiting in holy expectation of the little child to come. Mankind had waited patiently thousands of years for this moment. It couldn't wait any longer. And this is the very feeling you bring home from church herself in your own heart after a glance in the still empty manger. You think you can't wait any longer. That is the theme song for Holy Eve, wherever children still believe in the coming of the Christ child. As everything comes to an end in life, so also the long hours of the afternoon passed. Holy Eve is a fast day, and so lunch was over quickly with one dish, a thick soup. The children spent the day putting their rooms, wardrobes, and drawers in perfect order. In the afternoon, we all dressed in our best, and for the last time, we all met under the Advent wreath, all four candles lit. The servants were called in, and once again, we sang an old Advent hymn. Before the third verse was over, the silvery sound of a little bell was heard. This was it. The Holy Child had come. Led by the father of the house, the two youngest girls clinging to his hands, we all went down to the curved stairway. After a few steps through the wide open door, we all stepped into a semicircle, gazing in speechless wonder at the Christmas tree, whose solemn beauty commanded the room. When I was about to leave the house for midnight mass, the captain had come out of his room and taking my hand in both of his had said, I always feared Christmas more than any other day, but this year you have made it very beautiful for us. Thank you. There was a warm light in the beautiful dark eyes which for the first time since I had known him did not look pained and restless. That had made me very happy, but now the picture kept coming back to me and disturbing me in my prayer. Turning to the holy child, I said fervently, I thank you so much for sending me there. Please help me to draw them all closer to you. At that moment, the community rose, and with a jubilant voice, the young priest down at the altar intoned the age-old Christmas message, Gloria in excelsis Deo. I hope you enjoyed uh, that reading um, selections from um, Maria, Maria Augusta Trapp's uh, The Story of the Trapp Family Singers, her wonderful chapter on Advent in Austria. Highly recommend the book. Uh, it's really, really wonderful, really charming. Um, yeah, so I hope that this put you in the Christmas spirit, put you in Advent spirit, that you are getting ready to... Um, uh, do some traditions of your own with your family and friends. Uh, I hope that 
you are just uh, ready to uh, find some peace this season uh, in the midst of all the um, hustle and bustle. in some ways, maybe last year, COVID-style Christmas was maybe a little bit uh, easier to carve out those places of peace. And of course, we're also grateful to be able to see people and go to Christmas markets and um, see friends and all, all these wonderful things. But um, it can be hard to find that, that quiet time. So I really encourage you to, to uh, prioritize that if you can. Uh, I'm just going to end with a recommendation here. Amazing guitarist Robin Bullock. Uh, he's actually in um, in a in a band called uh, that my former um, fiddle teacher Ken Kalodner is in this band with him. Um, and they, if you are local to the Baltimore area, they do a wonderful winter solstice concert every year at Goucher. Uh, and this year they are actually having it. It's on December 18th. So if you look it up, um, I, it's like their 36th annual concert or something. Uh, it's, they are amazing. So this is Robin Bullock playing. If you look him up, um, Robin Bullock radio on Spotify is just wonderful. He has a whole, uh, Christmas album guitar for Christmas. Um, and I just want to credit, um, the Benedictine, uh, sisters of Mary, whose music I used, um, as I as I read that Sound of Music chapter um, and then that uh, that last section there Vivaldi's Gloria was being sung by um, by the English Baroque soloists of the Mount Verdi Choir so um, I will link to all this uh, all this music in the show notes and uh, I wish you a very very happy Advent and uh, and a beautiful start to December and this wonderful liturgical season I'm Katie Marquette, and you've been listening to Born of Wonder.
And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. <laughs>